0: You are listening to a Climate Farmer Stories Short Take with Farmer Stephen Leslie, recorded during a farm walking tour at Cedar Mountain Farm in Heartland, Vermont. Uh, We uh, met as farm apprentices at Hawthorne Valley Farm over in upstate New York back in 1992. So we've been farming together since then. We've been on this property since 1999. From the start, with the biodynamic orientation, we kind of saw the cow as the the center, the heartbeat of the farm, the fertility engine of the farm. We started out with the idea of a really small dairy and a value-added product of cheese. And and then we also want to do vegetables, so we want to be diversified. So that's what we've built up since coming to the Upper Valley and and then particularly on this land. Having come from a biodynamic orientation, we've always put soil health primary, but our understanding of what that means and how to achieve it has really Grown and deepened over the years, and early on, our, we were kind of imposing our idea of what the farm should be onto the land that we had landed on. And the longer we've been with it, the more we've begun to learn how to settle down and listen to what the land itself is asking of us. I think there's also, for me, like a deepening of uh, historical knowledge of the level of degradation that our land has undergone since thinking of pre-settlement time and the ancient old-growth forests that existed right where we're standing and how the Abenaki culture evolved, co-evolved with that forest over a period of about 10,000 years. And to the point where there was tens of thousands of people living in New England, first the European settlers thought the place was a wilderness. They saw the wilderness as food forest. So understanding that has gotten us now thinking about how do we begin to more mimic that ancient old growth forest and, and also aim for soil health, that have that be our benchmark with that those deep layers of of duff and humus and mycelium built you know forest biome uh was and to try to find ways to mimic that and so we've kind of sh- been shifting towards a, a no-till practice in the market garden for as of success and then reintegrating uh trees and shrubs back into our, our pasture systems that's the really kind of exciting new horizon for us I planted about 60 trees out this year, so I've been really hustling around trying to water trees. I was hoping it was going to be like last year and I wouldn't have to do any watering. You can see here we've put in a pollinator hedgerow and at the edge of the garden where it meets the field there. And then there's serviceberry, elderberry, blueberries, all native species. And the idea is that there's always something pollinating within the pollinator hedgerow throughout the growing season from early spring till into the fall. So this is really just about, you know, biodiversity and habitat improvement, sequestering carbon, holding more water in the soil and creating a little microclimate uh, windbreak for the market garden. So there are about 350 species of wild bees I learned as I was getting involved in this project and then of course a gazillion other types of pollinators from ants to wasps to Hummingbirds to the list goes on and on. Trying our best to do habitat restoration as part of our farming vision going forward. Uh, But then on a really steep hillside where we had removed a bunch of invasives mechanically, rosebriars and honeysuckle and the whole whole cast of these whole cast of characters. But then we're saying, well, this is like a 30% grade that during the sheep boom, this was back in the 1820s to 1850s people decided it was a good idea to take the trees off of so they could have more sheep. And then it's been continuously grazed ever since and mostly through stock grazing where the cows just go out on the whole thing for the whole season and eat every everything down. So this is a highly degraded area and these shrubs were growing here because the land was saying, I need something woody to hold soil. I need something woody to create duff. I need something woody to begin the healing process of this scar that has been made here. And so we're thinking, well, we don't want the so-called invasives to cover this hillside, so what can we do where we could still have grass in the long term but begin a a restoration of of the soil in this place? And so we planted a bunch of trees in that area, so 30 trees over this one hillside, all just um, bare roots, so just getting going, an infant forest. So that's like oaks and maples and, again, serviceberry and uh, some shrubs that are berry-bearing and things like that. And then the other thing that we've been doing out in our pastures the last several years is recognizing the wetland microclimates that we always just used to consider just annoyances and nuisance areas. And sometimes we get bush hogged in a dry year and the cows always got turned out onto and yet there's just ferns and sedges and things growing there. And so at a certain point, we started getting a little bit more ecological awareness and recognizing this is how water is being filtrated. This is how water is being held. In this ecosystem let's keep the cows out of these zones and see what happens and right away willows and dogwoods and cattails and things start coming back in woodcocks start nesting again a lot of other songbirds are utilizing the the area and then we can encourage it also by taking cuttings of willows and dogwoods in areas where they they aren't and getting them going in the spring so that's something we've been doing out in our pastures in a year like this where we really just got so crisp What would have been a a dry spell for the old timers with the accelerated climate change and the heat domes that have been covering the northern hemisphere this year turned more into something that created a a bit of a a mini ecological crisis for our our little region putting everything to the test putting our hydraulic resiliency to the test and we can really see that in the land this year where last year was probably our, our most lush grazing season we've ever experienced this year completely flipped us and got us to the point where we were just about to pull the cows off and right now they're just going out at night and if we catch some rain tomorrow and things get a little bit better we should be okay but we are already feeding hay so part of the thing is either selling cows or just understanding that we're going to need to buy in more feed if we want to do the right thing by our land and even if we didn't have the sense to do the right thing by the land all they would do would be to degrade it and we would still either end up having to sell cows or, or buy in <laughs> something. So paying attention to the pasture as being as precious as the animals and, and balancing that to keep both uh, alive and healthy through uh, a testing time. You just heard one of 11 short takes for the 2023 Climate Farmer Stories exhibit. The Climate Farmer Stories podcast includes all the Climate Farmer short takes, and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. The Climate Farmer Stories Project is a collaboration between the climate farmers, anagramist, and vital communities. I'm Becca Warren. Thanks for listening.